Welcome back to the Cracking Night Show, the only podcast on the planet dedicated to the two youngest teams in the NHL. That, of course, is the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. Joining me as always, my partner in crime is JP. JP, I know we've just been talking about uh, soccer or football, as I would call it, but are you ready to talk some hockey? Yeah, let's jump in. It's uh exciting time, the World Cup, but uh, that's not what we do here, is it? So <laughs> it's not. It is Much not. more important. There's not even sport. a hockey World Cup. Yeah, exactly. That which we found out is is uh, not happening anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good good stuff going on. Some good things going on this week, especially for Seattle. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to jump into it. Yeah, so we're going to be doing a bit of a strange episode this week. So we're going to cover some questions because we've had quite a few in. Um, a few things we're going to talk through before we head into the questions. Though one that uh, JP nicely set up there is the Seattle Kraken. So, keeping with our, our kind of normal weekly rundown. On the last podcast, we talked about the Winnipeg game, which was not a great game for the Seattle Kraken. They lost it in overtime, though, so it's not bad. Picked up a point in a game that um, was a tough game for the Seattle Kraken. But then the other two games have been have been positives in what is an overly positive week. So beating the Rangers 3-2 was a, uh, was a team that I wouldn't have thought we would have beaten at the beginning of this season, let alone last season. And then getting one over the LA Kings as well, which is a, obviously a really rivalry game for us now, especially given where Seattle and LA are in the in the Pacific. It's a, it's a real two and three matchup. So an overtime win. So both teams coming away with at least one point, but obviously Seattle getting that all-important winner. Uh, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but Manny Benias, again, it's just, he's, you know finds himself on the point sheet. So two points yesterday uh to assist not a ton of goals from the lad but he's got a couple of points which is which is always always nice another little shout out to our friend in goal as well mr jones so extremely good game for him yesterday 29 uh shots against 27 saves 931 save percentage so jones you know all in all staying hot and that's on a week when um i'm not going to do the news jingle but there was a little bit of news, which was that Grubauer has been reactivated off LTIR only a week after being put on it, which seems very bizarre. After because uh, mm-hmm. it's not, you, I would expected it to be a little longer, JP. Because obviously he's back, but he's not back because they can't technically use him yet. Right? Yeah, that, it's strange that they that they took him off LTIR because he, if he has to miss that much time, you'd think they would just leave him on. Mm. for the cap for the cap space right i mean don't you or or if he's on ir does there's is there any cap relief there i don't think there is i don't believe there is no yeah. so there's um, something strange going on there i would be curious to find out if, if it ever comes out what what exactly went on although you know how private teams are about injuries and their status and stuff yeah but. yeah so it would be good to, good to get grubauer back but at the moment he ain't going to be coming back as a number one i would have thought because mm. uh, he's gonna have to earn that spot off yeah. Mr. Jones, and that is something mm-hmm. that I did say it was one of the signs of the apocalypse. I'm pretty certain it might be because uh, <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> he's playing this baby game stuff. Is uh, well, more goalies need kids. That's all I would say because that's <laughs> it's that's the right answer. Now. If you need to revive your career, have a baby. <laughs> if you're if you're a hockey player, exactly. You see these teams <laughs> starting to pay for their goalies and wives or partners to have like long weekends away. <laughs> Just go and get some time off and uh, let's see what happens when you come back. Raise Um, your save percentage. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, these tricky GMs, they'll try anything, won't they? So uh, Exactly. But no, a good week for Seattle. Um, What was Vegas' week like, JP? Yeah, um, for me, this week is more like... At the pace they were playing, you're not you're just not likely to sustain that for an entire season. No. And and I think there's a little bit of balancing out that went on this week. I think the San Jose game, that's a game they probably should have won. Like that that one, they should have and probably could have won that one. Mm-hmm. Um they had a bit of a weak period, week third, and that's kind of when San Jose took over the game. But um Otherwise, uh, you know, I didn't, the the Arizona win was strong. um, And then the loss to Edmonton, that was an overtime loss. Could have gone either direction. And McDavid, you know, put, secured the win with, uh, with his 
you know, massive talent in OT. He kind of was able to break away on his own a little bit. And I mean, you give McDavid that much space and you're in trouble. So I'm not too worried. Uh, they played a pretty strong game against Edmonton, real good game against Arizona. Yeah. So really yep. the, the San Jose game, they kind of had one week period and, and, and sometimes that'll cost you a game. So not a fantastic week, but as far as I can see, I'm not seeing anything that I'm real worried about. And I just think over a season, that's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to lose a game or two here and there. I don't think hmm. see anything systemic that I'm worried about, although it's more fun when we win, but, uh, but that's kind <laughs> of my, that's kind of my take on Vegas. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair, fair, uh, Fair place to be, to be honest. But if we look at the last 10, this this has never happened before, JP. And the whole time we've been doing this podcast, the Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights over the last 10 games have identical records. Mm. So both mm-hmm. us and yourselves are 7-2-1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus. So right. Dude, Seattle's crazy. legit, brother. Seattle is, they're <laughs> legit. And look, I'm looking at the standings right now. They... Yep. um 18 games played, 23 points in third behind LA, but three games in hand on LA. And LA mm-hmm. is only a point ahead of Seattle. So, really, that's more like a second place pace, to be honest. So, and you know Crazy. what I said, what they always say, man, Thanksgiving is only two or three days away here. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. It's looking good for Seattle, man. They they very well could be a playoff team this year. It is. It is looking good. And it actually nicely takes me on to one of the things I was going to talk about. I wrote down here, which is about Shane Reichs. We did a piece a couple of episodes ago. And if you're new to the show, firstly, hello and welcome to the show. Uh, and secondly, go back and have a listen to the episode we did a while back. Because a lot of the stuff that we talked about, ironically, has now come out. And Seattle started to talk about the Shane Wright situation um, himself. So Shane has come out and spoke about it. Hackstall's come out and spoke about it. And they're pretty much saying pretty you know, within reason what we said, JP, which is that Seattle are kind of in this mode now where we can't just be giving guys ice time just for the sake of it. Um, as much as some of the media might want us to do that, we're here to win and Shane is going to earn his ice time like everybody else. And in fact, Shane Wright came out and said he would rather be at the club now and earning it. And he's happy with how the development's going. Of course, he'd love to play more. Of course, he would. Um, but actually, in terms of the minutes he's playing, he knows what they're doing. He understands. He's Apparently, he's he's spending a lot of time like after practices, still with the coaches, running through things. So there's a load of personal development, which we obviously don't get to see um, with, with Shane Wright. So I think this whole perception that, that Seattle don't know what they're doing and that they're going to ruin this kid's career is just, you know, it's just media hype because it's not, it's clearly not the case. Um, you know, for the way that he's speaking, the way the team is speaking, it's pretty much what we said, JP, which is, you know, what are you going to do when you've got a winning roster? Are you going to alter it? It's okay. You know, I think, what's his, I can't remember his name now, um, uh, Rick, something or other, just like it's, uh, anyway, the guy who was at Arizona, obviously left a memorable impression on me because I can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> I would I would jump in and save you, but I can't either. <laughs> but none of us can remember this guy's name. But Rick something, something, it begins with a, with a T or something like that. But anyway, so he said, you know, look, when I was in charge of, Arizona, which is a great way to oh, start Rick, any argument, about, by the way. You're talking about a Rick, Are you talking about the coach? That's it, yes. Yeah, Rick Tosh. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Rich, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the guy. Mm-hmm. So sorry, Rick. Um, but you're not memorable <laughs> enough to remember who the hell you are. So uh so tough. <laughs> but you the it, the point he was making was when he was in Arizona, um, you think, okay, mate, this is gonna be a bit of a weak argument, but carry on. He said, Yeah, he had Clayton Keller and you know, it was important that he sacrificed the long-term game and and gave the kid minutes and Seattle should be doing that with Shea Wright. And I thought, whoa, 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 Ricky boy. Okay, firstly, you're in Arizona and no one gave a crap what the hell you were doing. And secondly, we're third. <laughs> Arizona were not in a playoff position. While exactly. this, was what, this is what we kept saying it last time. I will say it again. But it's, you can't compare Seattle with whatever's happening with Montreal because as we record this podcast, Seattle, as we said, a third Three games in hand on LA Kings. 
We have got more points than Oilers, same number of games, more points than Flames. And I mean a few more points than Flames. Okay, yes, Flames have got a game in hand. But we have currently 23 points. They have 18. Right. Okay, so it's not one game difference. Mm. Whereas Canadians are currently sat three places or third from bottom in the Atlantic with 19 points. Okay? So it's not... You compare an apples and pears. You can't you can't look at what's going on there and what's going on here and compare ice time. So yeah. I think it's it was refreshing to hear Shane Wright come out and talk about it because I did feel like it was the elephant in the room. He did right. play actually 13 minutes against Minnesota, which I didn't. I knew he'd played against Minnesota, but I didn't realize it had been quite that much. It's a um, decent amount of ice time. Yeah, it's a good amount of ice time. But the downside is the kid still only has, I believe, uh, the one point. So yeah, I think you know it's looking alright. It, it's rare that we have breaking news that's this fresh on the show, but this is pretty fresh. This oh. just broke like in like today because um, you're talking about Shane Wright. So <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing you probably haven't even read this. This is how fresh it is. So Shane Wright actually uh, through a loophole was assigned to the AHL team on ah. a conditioning loan. So, and apparently, according to this article that I'm reading in the Seattle Times, uh, conditioning loans, it's a one-time conditioning stint for a maximum of five games or 14 days. So, uh, interesting development. And that, I guess that's going to give him a little bit more game time, right? Maybe help him relax a little bit, but they're clearly not considering sending him down to juniors at the moment, it sounds like, so... No, and I really, I really don't think they will now. I could, yeah. I could be proved wrong. Um, mm-hmm. It does happen, um, but I don't know. I feel like if they were going to do that, they would have done it. The fact that they're okay I think saying, so. Why? Yeah, why put him on a conditioning know. loan to the AHL? Right? Why wouldn't you just send him down to juniors? Yeah, yeah. A lot of loopholes for something that's not going to give a massive amount of benefit. So right, right, that's good. So. I, but I said it, personally, I'm okay with it all because you know we've we've said it. I've heard other podcasts have said it. You know, thirty two thoughts said it which is that seattle had to be better this year they had to be better so mm-hmm. if the sacrifice is that shane Wright shane Wright can't, can't have quite as much game time as 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 he as he wants well yeah that's a great tough. Gr- great problem to have and wow seattle I'm, I'm pumped about seattle and how they're doing it's they're legit man it's it's going really well yeah yeah exactly and one of the nice things actually that shane said was about the fact that he believes in the exact word where he believes in the organization and he believes in both the GM and the coach. And as I said, I think as long as he knows where, what, you know, whatever the plan is they have for him, as long as Shane is aware of that plan, I don't think it's a big problem. Absolutely. And, and that will also calm any tension or stress or anger from mm. the fans. It won't get rid of it entirely, but hearing him speak positively, I think we'll have a tendency to sort of calm a lot of that tension and worry that some of the fans may have, right? If he yeah. speaks out positively about it, then a lot of the fan base is going to say, okay, cool. They got a plan. They know what's going on. And so, yeah, interesting development. And I think that that situation's worked out uh, as well as it could have so far under the circumstances. I agree. I agree. Cool. Uh, the other thing we were going to talk about before we hop onto some questions, and we've got quite a few to go through, so I'm sure we'll leave plenty of time. Was your uh, I, I call, I've put down here JP's Henderson experience? Yeah, so I went to a Henderson Silver Knights game for the first time since the, the team has existed, and and particularly since they started playing in their new facility, the Dollar Loan Center here in Vegas. And that, of course, is Vegas fans will know this, but um, maybe for some of our Kraken fans who are listening, uh, they mm-hmm. built a brand new facility here in town, a beautiful state of the art, you know, minor league arena. It holds about 6,000, uh, fully financed it, built it, essentially owns it. And then it's called the dollar loan center because it's named at, that's the sponsorship deal. So there's a short term loan company here in Vegas called dollar loan center. Uh, so that worked out well, but, um, it's a great facility and the silver Knights were nice enough to turn in a win, which is good because they've had a real rough start to the season. They were playing the Ontario rain, which is the LA Kings, uh, AHL huh. team, but beautiful facility. And 
really the kind of place that that any AHL player would love to play. And it just reminded me that these things matter. And, and it it made me grateful that Foley is so aggressive in his willingness not only to invest in the, the Vegas Golden Knights franchise, but to invest in the development system. And he wanted to have a team here in town, which when you're calling players up, it, it's it's a lot easier. There's less travel. You know, initially the yeah, Vegas Golden Knights point. minor league team was in Chicago, the Chicago Wolves. And so with the, the minor league affiliate right here in Vegas, um, you know, the, there's a lot of benefits there. And I think people underestimate the value of a really good minor league team and, and development system, right? You've got multiple minor yeah. league affiliates a lot of times. Like we also have a, an affiliation in the ECHL and, but, but I think that stuff pays dividends. I think good facilities and owner that's pouring money into the organization. I think that stuff really pays off. And I think that's sort of an unrecognized part of the success of the organization is what's going on kind of behind the scenes. And, where the money's being spent, but just seeing that beautiful facility and seeing the, the fan base, there's a big local fan base for the team. They sell pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, season ticket sales there are strong, a lot of families there. It's, it's just good all around. And it just reminded me that's something we don't think about. We talk about the AHL teams a little bit, but since we don't watch them as closely, uh, so I was impressed and, and, uh, it just, kind of reminded me that every NHL team has a development system and we often don't know how things are going in those situations, but I think they're going well here, even though Henderson's off to a pretty sloppy start this year, but uh, generally they've done well. So, Mm. so anyway, yeah, it was just something fun. And I thought it would be fun to, to, to talk about it a little bit. So. Yeah, I think you're right in the development system as well. Yeah. The teams that stay good for a long period of time, you know, make good moves, of course, good trades, good free agent acquisitions. But a big part of it is being able to develop. I mean, one of the reasons why Tampa stayed as strong as they are is their ability to pull rabbits out of hats with the lower picks. And that's part of that is their development coaches, the development, mm-hmm. you know, the, the system behind it, physios, all that kind of stuff. So, right. yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's a brand, isn't it? I mean, the Henderson's things is nice because, and you've seen a few teams start to do that now. Seattle did it a little bit. Obviously, they didn't. It's not quite as close. The Golden Knights and Silver Knights, was a, it was a real easy kind of branding tandem, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they do that is just, I think, a really, really nice way of, of creating this like Vegas brand of totally. hockey. Yeah. It, you know, yes, okay, the two different teams. Etc. Etc. There'll be some people that go watch one, don't watch the other. But you know, even if you're brand new to the sport, never didn't even know that every single team had an affiliate. You would know that was got the Knights of it because the name, everything. So, oh, big time! And I actually spotted several of my Twitter friends at the game just from knowing them, from seeing their pictures on on their Twitter profile, and uh, <laughs> spotted more than one, and and then had others who I uploaded a couple of videos and had you know somebody else was like oh we were sitting really close to you i didn't know you were there and so that's <laughs> it's, you know so it's it's a little community it's you know there's a lot of uh, golden knights garb there as well and so uh, anyway cool. it, it was cool and just reminded me that um, that bill foley you know how much he invests and how hard he works to to make the organization great so mm-hmm interesting interesting with the number of fans as well because that's not too dissimilar probably a couple of thousand higher than we get in in the britain and, the, and our hockey i mean mm-hmm. it differs massively by team but yeah it's uh, interesting to see right that. more like a european arena yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> As promised, we're going to go through some of the questions. And a thank you to everybody who put the questions forward. This is starting to heat up, which is nice. We're starting to get more and more questions yeah. through the uh, Twitter sphere. Um, if Yeah, which we can get in. So everyone stayed on even after Elon Musk taking over. Everybody's still, still on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> For a while um, there, everybody thought it, it was going to collapse. And we'll see. Maybe it still will. But <laughs> it's, and if you're ever bored on Twitter, I don't know how you would be, by the way, because there's always, always somebody 
doing something insane, but um, just follow Elon Musk. It's hilarious. Um, so like, even if you agree or don't agree with what he says, and I'm not particularly advocating one way or the other, but just actually watching the comments afterwards, it's, you know, it's comical, if nothing else. <laughs> but that wasn't one of the questions. So let's hop straight in, JP. So the first question, which came from the real Mr. Hoot, um, which is which is funny a minute ago when I was, I, I was putting that into my phone. This is a bit of a side bit for the Hoots for himself, but... I was typing it into my phone, and it auto to corrected it to the real Thor. So I don't know if that's <laughs> you've had to pay Apple for that to happen. I don't know how Hoot got turned into Thor. I'm okay. Yes, it's a T and an H, but I don't know. I suppose, but uh, the real still, Thor, the real Thor. Yeah. So um, <laughs> for the question from the Mister Real Hoot, otherwise known as the real Thor, uh, was should Buffalo, and it was a longer. Uh, a statement that is, by the way, but given that my voice is struggling to hold up for the amount of talking I'm doing right now, I'm not going to read the whole thing out. But basically the question was, should Buffalo be a team that looks to relocate given attendances, market, et cetera, et cetera? What's your thoughts, JP? Yeah, the the Buffalo thing is a, it's a good question. It's a really good question. And the, the Buffalo thing is fascinating to me. They, obviously, their struggles have been going on for a long time, long playoff drought, and it just continues, right? It just, and every time you think they're doing better, right Right now they're they're in the middle of a long losing streak, I think, and it this happens every season. The team just seems to tank, you know, attendance at Buffalo games is, if I'm not mistaken, it's among the lowest in the league in terms of consistent attendance, but you know, it's really interesting about it when you talk about teams moving and stuff. And I, I think something that we neglect to talk about a lot of times is, is the business side of the game. And a team mm-hmm. like Buffalo, they remind me a little bit of a franchise like the Oakland A's, if we're going to make a comparison to like Major League Baseball. <laughs> you know, the, the Oakland A's have been a, a small market team, what's considered a small market team for a you know, almost their entire existence. And Buffalo is definitely a smaller market team. There's like, have you seen that movie Moneyball that was about the Oakland A's and the whole thing that Billy Bean did with statistics analysis and all that? There's a scene in that movie where Billy Bean goes to the to the the owner and, and he's trying to get more money. And the owner is like, yep. you know, says something to the effect of, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I need you to take the money that we do have and you know, basically make that work. We're not going to pay $5 million for players. We're like, he was talking from a business perspective. And I sometimes wonder if what goes on in Buffalo and I haven't looked at their, you know, their finances and all that stuff, their, their, their numbers in terms of money, but, and revenues, but you know, a, an owner's first goal is not always to have a winning team. And that's the okay. facts because it's a business. And sometimes they can turn just enough profit by not investing in a lot of other things to make it worth it for them. Or Mm -hmm. sometimes these teams are owned by business magnates and rich ownership groups. Sometimes the team isn't profitable. You know, maybe the organization's not profitable, but they own enough other businesses that it's a great write-off for them or it's a, it's a play thing for them. So there are a million reasons that an organization can kind of flounder like this and, and nothing ever happens. They attendance continues to be okay. The team continues to be mediocre. And I often wonder if there's something like that going on a little bit in Buffalo. The ownership is never going to come out and say, we're not interested in winning because that's not good for ticket sales. But what I see in Buffalo really is an organization that's not interested enough in winning. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of how I feel. And I think the fans are obviously tired of it. But um, I don't know. That's just that's kind of me waxing philosophical but people forget that every these are businesses and depending on their finances not every owner's priority is to win a stanley cup no no i mean like you said rightfully so the fans obviously it is um i think the position i come from this and maybe this is the brit in me talking but i'm not a fan of teams relocating unless they really have to Mm -hmm. um we don't do it in the uk you know, the thought of moving a, a football team or a rugby team, you know, or whatever somewhere, even an ice hockey team for that matter, some, from one place to another, it's pretty rare. Um, and in certain sports, it just does not happen. 
If the team's going to move, what happens is that team will fold and a new brand new name team will start somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, the famous one in the UK is when uh, Wimbledon, as they, were, as they still are called, but the team, the actual original Wimbledon moved to Milton Keynes and the fans hated it. So they changed their name to the MK Dons, Milton Keynes Dons. And, right. uh, and then essentially Wimbledon restarted back in Wimbledon uh, with their own with their own football team and started right back at the bottom of the football league and worked all the way up through the ranks. So right. I'm not a massive fan of relocations. I think the NHL is in a bit of a sticky situation with a few teams because you don't want to become, and I'm not picking on the NFL, but I will a little bit here, you don't want to become the NFL where teams move every couple of seasons and it just becomes this stupid merry-go-round of teams. Sure. I mean, I don't even know where the bloody, I mean, like the Raiders, for example, obviously Las Vegas now. Yeah. But, you know, over their years they've had it. We've seen it in the NBA as well where teams bounce around from location to location because they just can't find a market that works. Right. I think, you know, Bettman's kind of main mantra has been about growing the sport, but it, it seems to me that they want to do that through expansion i mean imagine if buffalo had have relocated to seattle and arizona relocated to vegas i just don't think it would have the same buzz as when you get to do it for expansion mm-hmm. so for me whether it's quebec whether it's houston whether it's um oh god there's a whole the whole host of cities that could have an nhl team to me that they, they should do that through the 33rd expansion not through through buffalo i think the mm-hmm. problem with you rightly said Buffalo was stunk for a long time. And this season was supposed to be a resurgence. Um, I, I was going to say a buff, a buff connaissance, but no, let's not do that. Um, but, uh, but it nearly works. It nearly works. We just need somebody who sounds a little bit like <laughs> the, the other one, some reconnaissance, but a little bit like that. Um, and, and as you rightly said, at the moment, they're on an eight-game losing streak. And for, for somebody who watched the team get smashed very often last season it sucks to 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 be promised some like hope and then you still suck i think that is hard to take as a fan because you kind of every fan has those set of rose tinted glasses that they've got in their little cupboard that at the beginning of the season they dust them off pop them on and they go you never know maybe this year that's what buffalo fans were doing this year and Mm -hmm. to be sucking as bad as they are and let's be honest and i'm not picking up off the fans because i truly do feel for you i have no hatred towards the franchise i don't want the franchise to move that's basically what i'm saying here but they stink and they've got like no goalie because the two goalies i just uh, they, they're just not clearly not bona fide star I mean, anderson had his day and he's a fantastic person but he's, he's too old now. I mean, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Owen Power hasn't been the kind of injection into the D-line that we expected. Tage Thompson is, is probably a, a shining light amongst a mountain of turd, which is which is pretty, pretty much what their team essentially looks like. And then it's a lot of prospects. And it's okay saying, well, we, we're building here. We're building here. But as we were saying about Seattle and Shane Wright, it's a point in time where the fans go, enough. I want to mm-hmm. see product. I want to see yeah. development and movement and wins. I mean, look at New Jersey. Like New Jersey fans, could they take some pain for a few years? Well, they had to. Is, is it worth it now? Yes. It took two years and a bit. Um, <laughs> but they were technically in the playoffs before then, but they were just not that great. Um, look at Rangers. Broke it down. Rebuilt it. Two years. Back to being competitive again. So the problem with someone like Buffalo is when it's – I mean – I remember when they got Eichel, okay, and and Eichel's not that old, but he's been in the league for what five, six seasons. Mm-hmm. So five, six years ago, they were selling this crap to their fans, saying we're going to be better, we're going to be better, we're going to be better, and they're still not better. And I just feel, I feel this is where I think there's a market there because the Bills, the Buffalo Bills, have proven there's a sports market in Buffalo. Not the biggest. Obviously, we know it's not the biggest, but it's a strong sport. But you've got to give them something to cheer for. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you have to move Buffalo, but Jesus Christ, they've got to get it right because at the moment they stink um, and there's no better way of putting it. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. A good and question, Thor. <laughs> Thor. <laughs> the real Thor. <laughs> I know, yeah. He's going to be. Uh, he's gonna have to change his Twitter handle now. Although Disney might have a problem with that. So. Um, 
But they're too busy fighting over CEOs. Right, the uh, <laughs> the second question was from uh, Barrett. So Barrett actually put a few questions in, so we're going to do your questions in a row. Uh, and this is going to you, JP, because you can answer this better than I can. So how important has the fourth line been for Vegas this season? Well, to put it simply, I think they've been extremely important. But if we're going to dig and thanks for that question, Barrett. That's a great question. Really what the fourth line has done for Vegas this season so far, what they've enabled in the team is for the team to be able to roll four lines and they don't, Vegas doesn't shorten their bench like a lot of teams do. And it was apparent mm-hmm. against Edmonton the other night. Now, now given Edmonton ended up winning the game, but a team like Edmonton, they're going to roll lines one and two most of the time. And then three and four are going to fill in as energy lines I would say the fourth line for Vegas, which generally is uh, Colasar, Carrier, and Wah, although Wah is out injured at the moment. And the other night, I'm trying to think, did they slot Howden down to the fourth line or was Cotter on the... I can't remember who they put there, but anyway, so but generally up to now, it's been Wah, Colasar, Carrier. They serve that energy line role. You can feel it when they're out there that they're that they're fresh and they get pucks deep and real hard forecheck, super aggressive, but they also produce. Mm-hmm. Carrier's put in a couple goals. Wah has scored. Colasar's got a one or two. And uh and they get more ice time than your average fourth line for sure, quite a bit more. And and yeah, it's enabled them to do what Cassidy likes to do, which is to roll four lines. And then that pays dividends because the matchups are a nightmare for the other team uh, when, when you've got a strong third and fourth line. And then it also, I posed this question on Twitter uh, last week. And it, mm-hmm. I think one of the other things that it does is it keeps you from wearing out your other lines quite so much. And over a season, I think it prevents injury. It prevents fatigue. It prevents overuse. So it it, I think that fourth line is paying dividends in a major way for, for all of those reasons. And it's not that Cassidy doesn't shorten the bench under certain circumstances when they're losing, he will, but some teams it's like lines one and two are out there most of the time and three and four mm-hmm. are there to give lines one and two a break and hold down the fort. And that's not the formula for Vegas right now. They definitely roll four and it's exciting to see. And it's a great fourth line They're 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 strong on the puck and like i said they're producing at a reasonable pace for a fourth line so i feel great about it but great question barrett it is a good question and uh, tell what it actually made me think about the chicago days uh, the good days when chicago were winning things and when you look back through the winning stanley cup teams obviously they look great because they won the stanley cups of course they do but they've normally got four lines very rarely do you see probably what we saw really with Colorado where it is pretty much like one immense line and three supporting lines with the way that they play. Normally you see four quite good balanced lines. And no, it's not all four lines of skill, but I think the better teams have always had a fourth line that can contribute. And when Chicago were good, they had a fourth line that could contribute. Whether that was Andrew Shaw or Ladd or whoever it was back in the day, they had players that were still worth having even if they may only play five minutes a night it was a good solid five minutes you could be taking a defensive face off and you throw the fourth line out because it gave your best guys a break but you knew you were throwing out safety you knew you were throwing out somebody who could win a face off could stop the puck going in that your net and just did some of the dirty stuff that you don't really want your top line guys having to do mm-hmm. um and you can and if they're good like vegas have got you can then match those guys against a second line or first line. So now you're starting to nullify the opposition. So I think they've been really, really important to you. But it'll be amazing to see when you make the playoffs. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> um, that <laughs> I don't, as I'm not a believer in fate, but I'm a believer in statistics. Mm-hmm. So when you make the playoffs, um, it is. I think that fourth line will be even more important than it is today, if that makes sense. No doubt about it. I remember when Vegas lost to the Capitals in year one in the Stanley Cup final, and the, the Capitals' fourth line was pivotal in winning them that mm-hmm. series, for sure. I remember the fourth line had some production, and 
And you did. It's um, you're right. It's it's crucial. And and the fourth line still has that identity a little bit, right? They're grinders for sure. And you can feel it when they're out there, when they're forechecking the puck, like they they're grinders, they're more physical, they hit more like, and that's part of their mm. role, right? Cause they're not skilled guys in the same way. And so they still have that identity, but, but they're they're They have more skill than most fourth lines. And so, and they're fun to watch. Exactly. I love it when they're on the ice, you can just feel it. Like the tempo goes up and there's just, um, they play a little bit differently in terms of their personalities. You know, they, they play to their strengths, but, uh, but this far into the season, they've all got goals and that's, yeah, it's, it's, it bodes well, like you said, for when playoff time comes around. Yeah. So. It's a great, it's a great question from Barrow though, because I think that's one of the reasons why now that Seattle have four solid lines, I think it's why they're more competitive because if Eberle has a quiet night, it's not like, oh, okay, where's the scoring going to come from? Because 100%. you've got it on two or three different lines. As long as one of them produces, you're probably going to be okay, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's really, really important. <clears throat> So, so the next question, uh, and I'll probably lead on this one, JP. So was around Matty Beniers, who obviously we mentioned earlier. So the question was, what does Matty Beniers need to do to take his game to the next level? Which is another good question. Um, honestly, I, I don't really feel like he has to do a lot. I mean, he scored two points um, at the last night, night before, trying to think when enough the LA Kings game was. I'm, I'm out of sync because we normally do this on a Sunday and it's a Monday. <laughs> Everything's gone wrong. Um, that's my fault as well, but hey-ho. So, but I feel like his progression to date is he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing. It's almost like a case of if it's not broke, don't fix it. I think this is a little bit like that. I mean, he's scoring points at the moment for fun. I would like to see him being a bit more greedy. And what I mean by that is I would like to see him shooting first, maybe passing second. Mm-hmm. And I feel that at the moment he passes first, shoots second. He's got a, he's got a wicked shot on him. Um, it's probably not the most powerful shot in the world, but in terms of a wrist shot, he can he can leather one when he wants to. He scored a few goals like that this season. Um, in the game, I'm trying to think which game it was, um, he must have hit the post about three or four times. Uh, I think that was the Winnipeg game when we lost it. So it's, I think he's he's ticking along nice. This kid's 20 years old. Okay, it's his first proper season in the NHL. Played a little bit of last season, which I think really helped. I think we've seen that obviously with Shane Wright as well. But I, I feel like he's exactly where he needs to be. His hockey IQ is very impressive. I mean, personally for me, that I'm a Seattle fan, so I am going to be a little bit biased. But I kind of saw Matty Beniers as a top six player. Now, though, after seeing him develop into the player he is right now, you know, I don't see any reason why this kid can't become one of the top 10, 15 players in this league. Not ever, by the way. And let me caveat by that saying. I'm not saying ever before somebody says to me, yeah, but what about Crosby? And what about Vetchkin? Yeah, 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 forget all those. I'm talking about when he's at 25, 26. Right. When he Crosby's his got his slippers out. Mm-hmm. Vetchkin's got his slippers out. I'm already in my slippers, okay? So every, all, these old, all these old guys, right, they're all done. I think the next crop of NHL talent I look at players like Dubois, who we saw the other night. I look at players like, um, you know, whether it be Panarin or Eichel or whoever. Remembering the Maple Leafs is only this is his first season in the league. I don't see any reason why he can't be in that same conversation. I feel like the only thing that probably holds him back a little bit from being classed as being in that elite category is the fact that he doesn't score as many as some of the guys that naturally get talked about. So when Austin Matthews first broke into the league, he was scoring for fun. He is a goal scorer. That's what he is. I feel like Matty Beniers is a bit more of an old school playmaker as a center. So he's a bit more like the guy who's going to get a lot of assists rather than a lot of goals. But yeah, he's developing fantastically at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think really, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's anything he needs to change in terms of his game or or the way he's playing. I think, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think the main thing he needs to do is keep doing what he's doing. And I think uh, a lot of it's just psychology and, and, you know, hoping that there's no major injuries. And, but this, the psychology is like, he's found a groove that's working for him. He's got confidence. And the most important thing for these young players is if they can stay in that headspace. Uh, Yeah. And he's just going to get better. I think naturally with, 
with time and experience. And as his body mm-hmm. matures, like you said, when he hits his prime, expect him to be even better. So I don't, I think that's a, a great example of a formula that's working and, and really yes. doesn't need to be, there's nothing lacking there. I don't think you'd need to change a thing. No, I don't think so. Um, and his maturity as well. Like when you hear him talk after games, you know, it's a bit tough sometimes. I think this is maybe an American media thing where they kind of always sound like robots because, you know, especially the, you know, the in-between period interview where they're like, yeah, we just need to get more pucks in deep. And you think, wow, that that was insightful. Thanks. Yeah. It's that boring media training they all have. Yeah. Oh, it's just, you know, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But actually when he talks, he feels not only does he feel genuine, but actually just, he just, he just seems like a very level-headed kid and he is a kid. He's 20 years old, as I keep saying. Um, And so I, I'm really excited. I mean, he is, I know Shane Wright has a chance to be the face of the franchise and has proven in Chicago, you can have two. It doesn't have to be either or. They can both be franchise players. You know, lots of franchises have multiple players. Um, but I think Matty Benny is, the way he's going now, you know, like he's he's playing top line minutes. It's, it's When you think about it, I just think this that kid is he's doing amazing. Whatever they're doing, oh, yeah. keep doing it. And mm-hmm. if he hits adversity, which I'm sure he will do, because everybody has it at some point in their career, whatever you do for the living, um, you know, I'm sure he'll, he'll he'll bounce over that too. So, so yeah, I'm pretty pretty pumped on him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last question, and I'm probably more the draft guy out of the two of us, so I don't mind taking this one, JP. Because yeah, you should, you should lead on it. I'll chime in, but you should lead. <laughs> so, um. Was my oh, our thoughts on Connor Bedard and the draft? Um, Bedard is for those that maybe this is your first time listening to this podcast, and maybe you're new to the NHL or hockey in general. Every year, there is a first overall pick who gets talked about a lot, and probably too much over the last 10 years. Everybody's the next best thing. Everybody's going to be this amazing talent you've never seen before. And the reality is most times it's probably not true. And most times first overall picks end up as great hockey players, but not always as kind of generational talent. Connor Bedard, on the other hand, is generational talent. I mean, this kid has been on the radar for scouts for years. He got exceptional status to get into the... uh, WHL, he says, or OHL. I can't remember which one it is. He's in one of them. I have a thing it's the OHL. But anyway, whatever one he's in. Um, and uh, you can tell I've, tell I've been ill this week, can't you? <laughs> so I so can't even remember what junior league he's in. <laughs> but he got exemption status to get in there. He's been rocking up points. He was, you know, he was scoring points for fun in all leagues. This kid is seriously, seriously good. I mean, there are people that are saying he's going to be better than McDavid. Most people say, think of McDavid and that kind of talent. So this is a kid that is is a real game changer for any franchise. So in terms of the draft, this has been a very odd draft. And in fact, the build-up to this draft has been very odd because we saw it actually in last year's draft where nobody would trade their first-round picks for this year without putting conditions on them. And that's because you don't want to be the Muppet that trades your first-round pick that ends up being Connor Bedard mm-hmm. and you traded it for like, you know, I don't know, a rental at the deadline, which we've seen people do before, right? Yeah. We've seen people trade for first round picks and even mm-hmm. teams that are pretty certain they're going to make the playoffs still aren't that certain that they're going to trade it. So to answer the question, I think what we're going to see this year is something that we've never seen before when we get to the trade deadline. Because if you're a team and looking at the standings right now, Buffalo is probably a good example, but there are others that are there. So in the Bedard race, so they used to have, they always have like a tanking for, you know, it was Crapo for Kako. I remember that year, losing for Lafreniere. Lafreniere, by the way, was the last time that I heard people say, oh, this guy's going to be the next Conor McDavid. And he, he's good, but he's he's not, clearly not that good. Um, but you've got the Senators, the Sabres, the Habs, the Blue Jackets, although they never intended to be. The Capitals, by the way, are second from bottom in the Metro. Just, Mike, if you're listening, I did say to you that they, they would be good. They would be crap, um, but they, and they are. Um, Coyotes, Blackhawks, 
Sharks and Ducks. That's the kind of teams that are in the race. And what you'll see is when those teams realize that they can't make the playoffs, they will go full tank. <laughs> they will trade. like, And we don't normally see that in the NHL mm-hmm. because that's why the lottery was put in, was to try right. and stop teams from doing that. But these teams will shell players like you have never seen because mm-hmm. they want... You don't want to make the playoffs or you don't want to just miss the playoffs and that you, you want to be as bad as you can. And that sounds so stupid. And the fan bases are thinking, my team's not going to do that. Sorry, mate, they are. I mean, Chicago are much happier now that they are currently sat second from bottom on a four-game losing streak than they were at the beginning of the season. Because I can tell you, their GM was watching them win games thinking, oh, damn it, please don't. Like, I need right. you to suck. You're supposed to suck, right? <laughs> right. The, which is it's a weird way to look at sports. Yeah. After everything we were talking about with the um, Sabres. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then the owners obviously don't want them to suck. But if you were ever going to suck, this is the year to do it. So it's a long way of saying that this is, this is going to be a, a draft like no other. There is no way anybody else other than Bedard goes first overall. And mm. I, I wouldn't have said that with so much confidence with any other draft other than this one and McDavid's because yeah. Connor Bedard is first overall. The question is, who's going to win him? And whoever wins him and gets uh, wins him as if he's a prize, but he is. He is a prize, right? You get the first overall pick this year, that's, it's going to change a franchise, arguably like it did with Edmonton. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, all drafts are not created equal, and and Bedard, from what everybody is saying, has the potential to be a generational talent, right? Like you said, like the McDavid's and and the Ovechkins and these kind of players. And um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch what happens. Uh, I think you're right. I think teams will go to more trouble uh, if it's if there's a real possibility of of getting him. Of course, the 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 way the draft works with the lottery at the end and everything, you know, no team is going to be guaranteed, but they can certainly increase their chances. Can't they? They certainly can. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, there's going to be some fan bases on, on draft lottery night. There is going to be some fan bases that are going to be glued to their television yeah, more than like that most draft years. lottery. Exactly. Yeah. And somebody's, you know, there's going to be a team when he gets to the last three and you yeah. know your your little logo hasn't popped out of those little right. crappy boxes. Yeah. Um, and, Jesus, it's 2022. You think there would be a better way of doing it, but hey, <laughs> um, there's going to be some tears, I tell you, because somebody's yeah, going to get the second overall pick and they're going to get a good player because right. the, the, top, the top three this year are all amazing players. Fantilli's great. Yeah. Um, Mitchkov, the uh, the guy who's based out in Russia, is great as well. I don't know if I've got his name right, but Bedard is the guy. So, yeah, that's that. Yeah, yeah, and and they'll celebrate like like they've won the cup when when his yeah, name basically. is called. Yeah, <laughs> I said it. it's just it's going to be a surreal. Oh, I can't I can't wait. I'm like we're not even going to be in it. Hopefully, yeah. so um, <laughs> probably not. He says with confidence, with confidence. <laughs> um, but look, that's been really fun, and and please do keep the questions coming in because. You know, we talked about different ways of doing this and do, you know, because the reality is with the way it goes with the game weeks, there isn't always, we can always talk through results and talk through games, but we want to keep it interesting and fun for you guys as well who are listening every week. We, we see the listener numbers. We know, A, they're going up, which is great, but also that we know that we get a good amount of you guys that return week after week after week. So we want to keep it fresh for you guys and we want to answer whatever questions you've got, you know, burning inside your heads. So... So please keep the questions coming in. You can do the easiest ways to contact either us via Twitter um, and the Kraken Knights Twitter, which is in the description on the podcast below. Or you can uh, obviously Golden Steel as well. All the podcasts, all the podcasts, all the Twitter handles um, are are located within the uh, show notes. So feel free to click on those. Um, And I will always post couple of like a day i'm gonna have to do it earlier but a day or so before we record we normally post so you can always comment on that like uh like guys did so thanks for everybody who posted questions this week um we've had a blast and uh yeah look usa kickoff against wales in about now so uh (laughs) i will make it just in time (laughs) and england usa is next week so me and jp may not even be on talking terms so yeah we'll see we'll have to talk about it a little (laughs) (laughs) 
just a little bit. I know it's a hockey podcast, but just a little bit. <laughs> so, so yeah, look, great fun. Stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.